Welcome to the IFE podcast series. Today's podcast is a presentation from an IFE Joint Distinguished Visitor Lecture on Photovoltaic Renewable Energy Systems and features Professor Masakazu Sugiyama from the University of Tokyo, Japan. Masakazu Sugiyama is a professor at the Research Centre for Advanced Science and Technology at the University of Tokyo with an interest in the field of energy systems. His major research topics are high-efficiency photovoltaic devices using the nano-epitaxial structure of three five-compound semiconductors and the application to solar to chemical energy storage and transport. His presentation within this joint lecture session recorded on Thursday the 17th of August 2017 is entitled Photovoltaic 4.0 Next Generation Renewable Energy Systems Powered by High-Efficiency, Low-Cost Photovoltaics. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm very uh, happy to be here, and also to thank you very much for the uh, Ian, uh, nice introduction, and uh, as well as a nice introduction of the native species yesterday, <laughs> which I enjoyed pretty much. <laughs> and uh, today, I'd like to just uh, share my uh, activity as also the opinion about the uh, future energy systems on the basis of the mostly photovoltaic and uh, more uh, large sense, the uh, solar-based uh, renewable energy systems. A uh, brand new installation of the uh, Sumitomo Electric, uh, his company, uh, in, uh, for the uh, concentrator photovoltaic, which the uh, next speaker, Professor Nishioka, will talk in detail. And, and this is the country in Morocco, right? The one megawatt in new installation, uh, which has been uh, in operation from last uh, November, is correct? Right? So. <clears throat> And uh, uh, one uh, of this module is now in the red round, as you see. And uh, this is actually uh, quite a core of our uh, concept of the uh, renewable energy system. So anyway, let me just uh, start from the rather uh, brief introduction of the situation about the photovoltaic in the world and also in Japan. And uh, as you know well, the uh, early installation of the photovoltaic is now as a whole of the world, uh, in good pace, uh, I mean, in a, a nearly linear manner uh, in these uh, decades. And now the total installation of the photovoltaic capacity in a cumulative sense is now going to be almost uh, 230 gigawatts. It's just equivalent to the, very roughly speaking, the 230 uh, nuclear power plant uh, in its maximum power generation capacity. So this is already uh, not a negligible number uh, in its uh, capacity of the instantaneous uh, power generation. And uh, this is the situation in Japan. And you know that the, after the uh, very uh, sad disaster in the Fukushima uh, nuclear power plant, the Japanese government had started some subsidization scheme, which is uh, most often called as feeding tariff. And in that particular scheme, now the, uh, the electricity supplier have to subsidize the uh, power generation cost of the, by photovoltaic. And also, winds and biomass are actually included inside. But the most successful installation in this uh, years are the photovoltaic. And as you can see, these uh, blue symbols are representing the uh, cumulative uh, installation of the photovoltaic. And the very recent data just shows us that the, uh, including everything in Japan, we have now the photovoltaic power generation capacity as much as 36 gigawatt. And the, uh, this particular uh, upper number is representing what is called the certified uh, 
for installation, meaning that the, it's ready for installation and it's already deserved uh, for the price because the price is now descending from time to time, uh, reflecting that uh, expected reduction of the cost of the photovoltaic panels and also the installations. So now that uh, cumulative uh, adding up everything, including that uh, certified amount, then the uh, photovoltaic capacity in, uh, say, very near future uh, is going to be 80 gigawatt. And this is actually uh, in a very uh, good uh, number as compared with that uh, maximum electricity generation in Japan. And this particular data is uh, depicting that the uh, annual basis a maximum power generation uh, in this particular city in Japan, because it's winter here, but uh, it's in, uh, in Japan, uh, mid-summer. So the maximum power generation record in a year uh, is uh, normally achieved uh, in early August or so. And as you can see here, the uh, maximum value has been uh, of, uh, achieved uh, around the beginning of that, uh, this particular century, but uh, you, we now have a sudden drop here. This is uh, notably the, after the Fukushima disaster. And uh, we have just uh, renewed our energy system, not substantially, but uh, with a step-by-step uh, -step, uh, manner. And uh, we have just uh, changed the lighting to LED, and uh, a lot of things has been uh, taking place. And now the uh, maximum power generation at the uh, uh, yearly basis is now going to be almost 150 gigawatt. So the, uh, that uh, previous value of the 36 is already uh, not the uh, quarter, but uh, very close to quarter, right? And if uh, in these couple of years, uh, every certified uh, installation is already, uh, really accomplished, then it's going to be more than half of the uh, maximum power generation capacity in Japan, right? Oh, sorry, in Japan. And uh, this is uh, actually very, uh, fantastic situation uh, for us uh, people of who are uh, pushing for the installation of the photovoltaic. But uh, this is uh, already in Japan uh, generating a very uh, strong wind against the installation of the photovoltaic. This is actually coming from the very well-known problem of the, what is called the duck curve, uh, which is the problem of the electricity management, matching the uh, demand and the supply. And this is a very uh, schematic uh, time uh, power uh, consumption, electricity consumption pattern in a day. And since we don't have a substantial energy storage mechanism, uh, of course we do have some, like a small battery, but uh, this is very negligible. So the, in the existing situation, we have to just match exactly between those demand and uh, power somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes, a power generation. And uh, this has been the previous situation. There's still uh, some uh, room for the effort, but uh, largely speaking, uh, not impossible. But the, after the substantial amount of the photovoltaic power generation has been installed, even in a very best situation uh, where there is no uh, shading by cloud and uh, no uh, intermission by rain or uh, any uh, uh, sad situation, but still the, uh, we have a very small room uh, for the uh, matching between the demand and power generation. So the uh, power generation, other than the photovoltaic, uh, should take uh, schematically uh, this form. I mean, that uh, have to fill the gap between the demand and the power generation by photovoltaic. And what's problematic here is that uh, 
SDA first. So we have a very small room for the uh, bottom line. This means that uh, we need to stop the uh, very conventional uh, turbine power generation, but uh, this is not so easy. And because uh, the uh, say lower limit for the power generation by turbine is typically 50% at the uh, lowest. So uh, this kind of the gap between the maximum and the minimum is never feasible unless we stop the turbine. But once we stop the turbine, then what uh, happens is that uh, in the evening, we of course have a pretty uh, significant decay of the photovoltaic power generation according to the decline of the sunlight intensity. Then we have a need for the lights of the power generation. But such kind of the quick response uh, to this uh, demand is not so uh, easy to follow. So uh, that's why the electricity power supply company in Japan is uh, facing a very severe situation. And remember that uh, like Australia, uh, we Japan are an isolated uh, island. So we have no connection to the uh, neighboring countries. This is a very striking difference uh, from the countries in Europe like Germany. So the, we have much more severe situation. And that's why the, most of the electricity power supply company in Japan is now declaring the uh, some, uh, how to say, refusal for accepting the photovoltaic power generation at the power maximum situation, like this kind of shiny day. And such kind of a situation is already taking place in a very isolated island uh, in Miyakojima. Believe me, this is still in Japan, right? Although it is very close to Taiwan, right? Historically, we have a lot of things, but now this particular very beautiful island, isolated island, Miyakojima, is belonging to Japan. And uh, I'm just visiting this particular lovely island uh, next month. This is very much a fun, but not for vacation, believe me, right? <laughs> uh, for making some study there. And uh, in that particular Miyakojima island, uh, what's typical is that, what's special there is that the, uh, they have installed a very uh, substantial amount of of the uh, renewable power generation, mostly photovoltaic, and uh, uh, next three uh, by wind. And as a result, oh, this is uh, two typical power generation patterns uh, as a function of time in the day. Uh, the black one is the, in a cloudy day. Uh, this is uh, more or less uh, depicting that uh, actual demand. And uh, this particular uh, yellow one is the, actually the day of the abundant sunshine. And you can see that the power generation, other than the photovoltaic, is now taking this very particular shape of the duck cloud. And this particular Miyakojima Island is not uh, accepting the, uh, equipped with the turbine power generation because it's too small. So this is mostly equipped with the uh, diesel uh, power generation. So it's more flexible for the adjustment. But still, uh, they. Uh, power supply companies in Miyakojima is now declaring the refusal for the acceptance of that uh, photovoltaic power generation. Uh, probably the, uh, we have uh, some more uh, increase uh, after this situation. But anyway, this is already hitting the, some boundary of that uh, controllable range of the power generation power supply company. So uh, these things are actually quite severely imposing as the some ceiling of the installation of the photovoltaic power generation, and of course, the uh, eventually the wind power generation. So uh, we need to think about some uh, next application or next uh, solution for substantially increasing the installation of the photovoltaic and other renewable power generation. And if we just focus on that photovoltaic, my uh, conception is that uh, photovoltaic version four. 
if you are, uh, say, familiar with the photovoltaic community, uh, we actually have uh, first, second, and third generation of photovoltaic. And the third generation is my favorite. This is the highest efficiency photovoltaic, like that the concentrated photovoltaic. But I'm now persisting in uh, fourth generation. Uh, it, is, uh, it is quite similar to the, uh, of course, industry version four, right? This is just a kind of the joke, but a kind of this um, uh, saying statement. And uh, this particular uh, photovoltaic next generation version four should be equipped with not only the high efficiency and low cost, but also the uh, more system-wise mechanism uh, enabling us to make uh, electricity storage and hopefully some transport, right? This is, I think, a very vital uh, methodology uh, which uh, only enable us to introduce more and more uh, solar-based uh, energy system, sorry. Uh, this is not the end, unfortunately. <laughs> so then uh, one solution might be that uh, more substantial energy storage. So uh, this is uh, quite an aggressive scenario, but uh, I prefer this one. And this is, again, the time in the lateral axis and the vertical axis of the power generation. And if we just quite aggressively install the photovoltaic uh, system, then we should just have this kind of the situation in which that the power generation uh, substantially exceeds the actual power demand. Right? But if you have a very good energy storage system, of course, battery is one candidate, but uh, I would this time uh, the uh, state more than the battery. So this is actually hydrogen. So if you can make uh, best use of that uh, hydrogen-based energy storage, uh, coupling that uh, water electrolysis powered by photovoltaic or the wind, of course, and uh, fuel cell for that uh, complementary power generation, then we can just uh, extend the capacity of that uh, kilowatt hour basis or the energy uh, basis uh, storage capacity. And uh, we can have a very uh, large potential for make a self-sustainable uh, power supply only on the basis of the uh, photovoltaic. And uh, the reason why uh, we need such a usage of the hydrogen is that the uh, uh, existing in this particular comparison between the battery and hydrogen, and this is of course a very conceptual picture, but just uh, uh, let me just uh, explain this one. And the lateral axis is the kilowatt hour. This is the joule energy, right? And the vertical one is the cost. And if we think about the lithium ion battery, depending on its uh, cost unit, but uh, anyway, we have this proportional relationship between the uh, electricity storage capacity and the cost. Because as you know very well, the battery is equipped with that uh, electrode and also the electrolyte, and they can be never split. Uh, so the, we need to just uh, increase the uh, amount of the unit if we want to just increase the storage uh, capacity of that battery. But in that particular uh, hydrogen-based energy storage system, the, uh, what uh, matters for that kilowatt hour is the a capacity of that hydrogen tank or the, a, any a metal halide a hydrogen storage material. Uh, so we can easily extend the uh, power capacity, uh, storage capacity, uh, energy storage capacity without substantial increase of the cost because the tank is not so uh, cost uh, expense, expensive in the cost uh, as compared with this water electrolyzer or fuel cell. So what matters is not the kilowatt hour, but the kilowatt 
right? Because the, those two expensive equipments are on the basis of the what, right? The area of the electrode. So the, we need actually, uh, we actually have, sorry, we actually have this kind of the much flatter uh, relationship between that uh, cost and energy uh, storage capacity, right? Then the intercept is actually corresponding to how much what we need, not the, how much kilowatt hour, watt hour. So this is very important characteristic. And as a result, uh, for a very long-term energy storage, like a couple of days or even a month, the hydrogen uh, definitely wins. But uh, I also have to mention that here, especially because the guy from the Sumitomo Electric is now present here. So we also have another mechanism, which is the redox flow, right? And redox flow is, in my conception, the more uh, acquaintance of that uh, hydrogen-based energy storage because the, in those systems, the uh, energy storage media uh, can be split from the electrode and then can be stored in a low-cost tank, right? This is the same situation for both the a, a redox row battery and also the hydrogen-based energy storage uh, as in the previous mechanism. So the, we need to just uh, probably combine those uh, long-term energy storage with the uh, efficient and low-cost uh, battery-based energy storage or electricity storage. And uh, we do have such a pioneering uh, example in Germany. Uh, that particular example has been uh, just a built at the uh, end of the last century, and already that benchmark result has been published in the beginning of this century. And now, if you come to Japan, uh, I really recommend that the, uh, you uh, can see a very advanced energy storage system, which is actually installed in that uh, Kyushu Island, uh, where that uh, Dakka problem is very significant. And uh, there, you can find one uh, fun park theme park, which is called as a house temples. And in that particular uh, theme park, you have what is called the strange hotel. In Japanese, henna hotel, right? The very strange hotel. But uh, that hotel is strange in many senses. But uh, to me, the most strange one is that the, uh, just the 12 rooms inside of that strange hotel is indeed strange in the sense that uh, its uh, electricity supply is disconnected from the grid. I mean, that, uh, that is uh, equipped with a self-sustainable energy supply system, uh, combining the huge capacity of the uh, photovoltaic and hydrogen-based uh, energy storage. The uh, schematic is just here. So the, uh, this particular nice installation has been uh, accomplished by Toshiba Company. And that particular system is uh, with uh, not the best, but uh, good uh, energy management system where they can just uh, divide that uh, photovoltaic power generation to the direct power supply to the demand, and also the battery short-term storage, and finally, the uh, hydrogen-based long-term storage. In this particular situation, they are utilizing the metal halide for uh, making storage of the uh, hydrogen for a year. So here you can see some uh, actual data where the lateral axis is the time and the vertical axis is that uh, amount of the hydrogen storage for the blue line. And the, this red line is the power demand. And these uh, orange lines are, orange peaks are the power generation pattern by photovoltaic. And as you can see, that the power generation in summer is quite abundant, while that is just a declining to the minimum in the winter. And uh, for that uh, averaging, uh, the hydrogen uh, storage it takes, uh, makes a very good role for shifting this particular surplus energy to the uh, spare time in winter, like just depicted by this particular cartoon. So 
uh, this system is already in operation uh, for more than one year, and uh, this particular uh, energy shift from the uh, or electricity shift from the su uh, summer time to the winter time has been very successful. But I would say this is very expensive at this particular moment. But the, uh, if you install more and more, I believe that uh, this can be a, a very feasible system. And uh, again, I would actually just point out that in such a system, uh, we need to just think about the uh, best energy management because the, uh, that particular hydrogen-based energy storage is uh, with a very huge sacrifice of the energy transmission efficiency because the uh, electricity, electricity to hydrogen energy conversion efficiency is probably 80% or smaller. And what is more problematic is this fuel cell, right? As you know, the, from, even from the hydrogen, the uh, combustion, energy combustion efficiency from hydrogen to electricity is as the largest 50%. So this is, a, of course, not so promising number and not so easy to overcome or go beyond. So the, uh, we need to just uh, stay with the energy efficiency as low as the 40% or so. So this is a really huge sacrifice, but uh, uh, still just uh, uh, with the merit of the long-term energy storage. So I'd like to just exaggerate that we need to just uh, insert the battery right in between uh, for the best system like this uh, Toshiba system. So the, uh, this is really an issue of the uh, general uh, engineering approach. Okay, and uh, next target is my most favorite one. Uh, this is the uh, intercontinental uh, fuel transport, right? And uh, as I will just show you uh, in a couple of slides uh, from now, the we Japan are unfortunately not so much uh, celebrated with abundant sunshine. I really envy your situation. It's probably too much sunshine, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> so the uh, anyway, so we need to import some renewable energy in the future from somewhere else because of such a lack of the uh, sunshine, sunlight intensity, and also the availability of the land utilization. So the, this is uh, my favorite picture. Uh, we need to just uh, generate a huge uh, capacity of the electricity and convert that to some uh, chemical energy like hydrogen or even methane, as I will introduce you later. And uh, that should be transported to Japan by any means. So uh, if we can uh, complete this entire picture, then the, this is really a game change of the energy supply system, not only for Japan, but also the, for the exporting country like Australia, I uh, believe in that. Okay, and uh, how shall we use for that such a hydrogen as a fuel? Uh, of course, uh, you may just think about that uh, a hydrogen-powered vehicle using the fuel cell, but actually that is not so large in its uh, energy demand. And the final uh, way for utilizing such a hydrogen or even uh, solar methane would be electricity generation, right? So now the Japanese uh, teams are not me, but uh, some Japanese teams are uh, very uh, aggressively uh, making uh, uh, research on the utilization of the hydrogen for the direct combustion for running turbine, right, for electricity generation. That should be the uh, final way, uh, as I believe. And uh, But before uh, looking at such a situation, still we have now rather demonstration-like but a promising situation. Now, the targeting at the uh, Olympic game, we are going to install that uh, hydrogen uh, fuel cell bus uh, in the uh, urban area of Tokyo, and also uh, this kind of forklift uh, powered by hydrogen uh, fuel cell is already in market. So now the hydrogen utilization is going up and up. 
And the, for such uh, situation, of course, uh, we, Japan, for example, need to make uh, renewable hydrogen out of the uh, water electrolysis powered by the renewable power generation. generation. Well, of course, if possible, uh, direct uh, photoelectrolysis, but uh, it's not so easy. Uh, anyway, the uh, point is that uh, this is not enough uh, in the energy capacity. So again, uh, I want to exaggerate that we need to just uh, import the very inexpensive uh, renewable energy in the form of the chemical substance to Japan, right? And how much a, a hydrogen we need a, for that, uh, to answer to that question, we actually had a small workshop uh, last July uh, with the people from uh, QUT as well. And uh, there, uh, several companies has been included. But outside of this, we also have some potential partners. And uh, just uh, briefly uh, introducing you some uh, important essence. The, uh, this is the some expectation of that uh, uh, emission of the greenhouse gas, I mean the CO2. And we need to just reduce that. Uh, I don't know what happens uh, after the uh, activity of the Trump, but I believe that uh, still the world will be in the right way to go. And uh, following that uh, strategy, we need to just reduce the 80% uh, of the greenhouse gas emission by 20, uh, 2050. This is a quite substantial. And uh, the scenario which is proposed by Japan, Japanese government, uh, is that we need to first reduce the uh, utilization of the primary energy supply uh, by 40% by making a more energy efficient society. But uh, of course, uh, that is not enough. So we need to just employ as much uh, renewable energy as possible. Okay, and, but that is still not enough. So the scenario by the government is actually with the uh, potential use of the uh, CO2, uh, say, compression, and uh, finally that uh, uh, CCS, right? CCS, okay. So, the, uh, and this is another expectation. Uh, I think that it's more realistic uh, by Mr. Kidoshi, uh, who has also participated in that particular workshop. And uh, his uh, expectation is that the governmental uh, scenario is too aggressive uh, to supply uh, all the uh, energy demand in Japan, even at uh, 250. Uh, 250. So, the, uh, this might be the actual uh, power demand. And the, uh, what's important is uh, this portion. So even with some uh, potential use of the CCS, the, uh, our power generation, uh, according to that 80% reduction of the uh, greenhouse gas, uh, is impossible. So this particular white portion should be covered by imported carbon-free energy source from abroad, right? This is not, it is not impossible to cover uh, this portion by the domestic renewable power generation. So this is a very strong demand for our uh, society to make a tight collaboration uh, with the country with abundant sunlight, like this Australia, Queensland. So, the, uh, and talking about that uh, hydrogen demand, the, this is some eerie expectation of that uh, usage of the hydrogen. And this uh, blue one is hydrogen vehicle, right? And the scenario is that the, uh, here, the 2015, the, uh, this particular uh, guy, uh, Mr. Kuwahara, is expecting that the 10% uh, of the uh, passengers' cars in Japan is replaced by the fuel cell vehicle, right? But that is still not so large. And please notice that this dotted line indicates that the existing capacity of the hydrogen supply on the basis of the byproduct hydrogen, 
right? This is actually some byproduct, so that means that this is not, of course, coming from the uh, some, uh, fossil fuel in some sense, but uh, not so much hazardous. Uh, in, and uh, if we exceed this line, we need to decompose methane, right? Uh, if uh, we are to obtain more hydrogen out of the uh, fossil fuel. So this is quite detrimental. So that means that the uh, large uh, portion of the energy demand is actually coming from the power generation. So uh, this uh, green bar is uh, indicating the necessary hydrogen uh, amount per year. Uh, if the 20% of the power generation, uh, electricity power generation in Japan is replaced by that uh, hydrogen or even a methane, solar methane-based power generation, right? And for that, just as a very short conclusion, the capacity that we need for the renewable electricity power generation overseas, right, abroad, other than Japan, is as large as 200 gigawatt, right? This is a very promising number for us pushing for the photovoltaic, right? I said that uh, including every uh, registered capacity, still the uh, photovoltaic power generation in Japan should be just uh, lower than 80 gigawatts, right? But this is more than that, of course. So we need uh, this kind of uh, figure for Japan alone, right? So the, uh, think about the entire world. So that means that uh, we need to uh, establish a very brand new game-changing energy supply system. So the uh, score of that is, of course, the transportation of the energy, right? How we can just uh, make a transportation of electricity. Yeah. Uh, now, let's just uh, don't think about the uh, superconductor, right? The distance might be too long, right, from Australia to Japan, unfortunately. So the, uh, now, we we should think about some, uh, say, energy carrier, chemical energy carriers, right? And uh, we have several. Methane, uh, this is not so much mentioned, but uh, I think that this is very promising. And the chemical hydride and the liquefied hydrogen. And some are thinking about ammonia. Uh, both, uh, everything has pros and cons, but uh, anyway, uh, some of them should be uh, in reality in the near future. And uh, just uh, let us briefly notice about the methane. Uh, this is my favorite, right? And now the Japanese company, Hitachi uh, Zosen, is providing a very good catalyst for uh, making the methane out of the CO2 and hydrogen. And uh, you know that in the mining side of the methane, uh, natural gas, you actually have uh, pretty much a uh, good amount of the CO2 uh, emitted as well as the methane. So if we can just combat that methane using those solar-based hydrogen, into methane, then we can just uh, equivalently increase the yield of the natural gas from the ground. I mean, like 10% of the natural gas from the ground can be renewable as a result of this methanation. So uh, once we can just achieve this uh, scheme, the ex uh, export of the uh, solar-based methane is very straightforward because it can be mixed with the uh, natural gas uh, dug from the ground. So uh, this is very good. And also, good thing is that uh, we can just use that uh, methane on the basis of solar energy in a very similar manner with the existing energy. So this, I think, is a very good, how to say, near future uh, technology to just uh, bridge the existing fossil fuel-based uh, energy system to the more future uh, hydrogen-based energy system. So we should uh, think about such kind of realistic scenario. 
This is my message. And uh, talking about such energy carrier technology, we do have some Japanese company making a very strong effort on that. And Hitachi Zosen is now benchmarking that, uh, say, methanation uh, catalyst. And the Chiyoda Chemical and Chiyoda Corporation is now trying to just uh, exp uh, import hydrogen from Brunei, uh, targeting uh, 220 using that uh, chemical hydride uh, technology. And also the Kawasaki heavy industry is now trying very hard to implement that uh, liquefied uh, hydrogen carrier technology, and they will just demonstrate that at 2020. But that particular hydrogen would be on the basis of the brown coal in that also area, right? But we should just replace that hydrogen in the future with that solar-based hydrogen. This is just for invoking any discussion, right? You should have their individual perspective, but this is my one, right? And this lateral axis here, and the vertical axis is that uh, some uh, very schematic amount of that uh, energy supply. And now the, all the energies are on the basis of the fossil, but the, uh, because of that the ease of that introduction, I think that in a very small scale, the chemical hydride will make a good role for uh, realistic hydrogen carrier, uh, hydrogen transfer from uh, the region with uh, good hydrogen, cheap hydrogen production uh, to Japan, for example. And uh, later, we should have uh, methanation uh, in my perspective. And in a, a far future, the uh, probably lethal weapon might be that uh, liquefied hydrogen or even ammonia. So the, uh, let us just uh, target uh, this kind of the situation and think what we can do now. And uh, this is just our naive trial. The Professor Nishioka will introduce what he's doing for the high-efficiency photovoltaic. This is the uh, uh, sunlight concentration-based high-efficiency photovoltaic system. And uh, we worked together to make the demonstration of the highest efficiency solar to energy, hydro energy conversion efficiency. This was uh, almost close to the co uh, one quarter uh, power conversion efficiency. And just, uh, I have been skipping too long, so the, this I will just skip. But the, this is the chart depicting that the annual progress of that solar to hydrogen energy conversion efficiency. And the, we are now here. And here, we have some garbage, but actually not garbage, but uh, this is a record from the uh, Stanford group. But uh, there, oops, <laughs> again, not the end. <laughs> there, uh, record is not under the natural sunlight, but just under the artificial light. So this is, uh, to me, just for reference, right? So the, what we did was just use uh, high-efficiency photovoltaic and connected that with the uh, very simple electrolyzer. So we did nothing about this, just purchased, unfortunately. We are not a specialist of the electrolysis. So uh, we really need a good collaboration uh, in this field with the specialist. But anyway, for this particular demonstration, we just connected to those two devices by copper wire. Just that, right? But uh, one special thing was that, of course, the efficiency, right? The, that uh, right-hand side column is the solar to hydrogen energy conversion efficiency. This is the ratio of the sunlight to the uh, free energy of the hydrogen between the hydrogen and H2O, right, water. And the, we have achieved uh, as large as 24%, as I have mentioned. And uh, these numbers are actually the, uh, some, not hidden, but uh, actually uh, some, uh, how to say, ingredient uh, in 
included in this particular demonstration. Uh, so probably that will be just explained by Professor Nishioka later. And finally, just I should briefly mention about the cost of the hydrogen. Of course, this is a very important point, right? And uh, I believe that uh, talking about that the uh, cents per kilogram basis, the range between the 200 to 400 might be a target range in which that the say, fuel or vehicle can be compatible, uh, compa competitive, sorry, competitive with the uh, hybrid uh, fossil fuel gasoline-based uh, vehicles. And uh, talking about the uh, power, uh, hydrogen generation on the basis of that photovoltaic and electrolysis, since the uh, hydrogen can be regarded a kind of the package of the electricity, that uh, cost is almost proportional to the electricity cost, right? That means that the, in order to just hit this range, probably we should just have the uh, electricity power generation cost as low as five cents per kilowatt hour, right? This is not unrealistic, I would say, but not so easy to achieve, but probably easier here because of this particular very uh, high uh, irradiance. And also, we need to think about this intercept. This intercept comes from the uh, capital cost of the electrolyzer, right? Because the recent uh, existing electrolyzers are not so cheap, right? And this particular estimation is with a bit uh, aggressive uh, cost reduction scenario of that uh, particular water electrolyzer, but still, this intercept is non-negligible, right? So how to reduce that? We actually have one solution. This is, again, a system, right? So here is a uh, too much busy figure, sorry for that. But uh, this particular color plot uh, means that the uh, relationship between that hydrogen generation cost cents per, in this particular case, normal uh, cubic meter basis. So factor of 10 different from the previous figure, sorry for that. But anyway, uh, the lateral axis is the battery capacity. Uh, I mean, that uh, this right-hand side is going to be uh, with a much abundant battery. And uh, this unity hits the point where we have a battery capacity which can liberalize the, all the uh, electricity uh, generated in the daytime to night. So the, this 0.5 means that there's uh, still smaller battery capacity. This is available, I think, right? And the vertical axis is actually the capacity of the water electrolyzer, right? Of course, if we have a very much reduced water electrolyzer capacity, that means that we should just, uh, say, cast or dispose the electricity uh, at a peak power generation time. And the message here is that uh, this blue region is the minimum cost line, indicating that with a reasonable use of the battery capacity and the not so abundant uh, water electrolyzer capacity, if we want to make a matching between the maximum power generation capacity of the photovoltaic and the maximum acceptable uh, electricity capacity of the electrolyzer, then we have this maximum point, six, right? But the cost minimum range exists in this region, right? I mean, that's the, we can reduce the hydrogen production cost with a wise use of the battery inserted in between the photovoltaic and electrolyzer, which can actually decrease the necessary amount of the uh, electrolyzer capacity, uh, especially for the situation uh, when the uh, cost of the electrolyzer is not so cheap. Okay, so I think that this is a, a very uh, important way uh, to go. Uh, I mean, that thinking about the system again. So uh, here is just my last open question, right? So in order to just achieve such a photovoltaic version four system, or the good liberalization, uh, energy management, and also the hope-free transportation, then we need to think about the technology itself and also the more 
uh, system-wise way. And finally, how the society will accept such a good technology. And the, in the time scale, we need to just uh, challenge one by one, right? The, what we can do now might be some benchmark of such a local scale energy management and also the cost-effective way of the hydrogen generation uh, powered by, sun by sunlight. Then we should think about the transportation of such a hydrogen or methane out of the hydrogen. Then the, uh, we should just uh, think about how we can change the society in the future, right? This is pretty much an open question and a lot of room that uh, you can participate in this particular grand picture, I think. So uh, this is a conclusion and also the uh, very much a request for your participation in this particular big picture. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a podcast from the IFE. To stay up to date with our podcasts, please subscribe to our channel. You can also visit us on the web at qut.edu.au forward slash IFE. And we're also on Twitter at IFE underscore QUT and also on Instagram at IFE.QUT. We really hope you enjoyed this IFE podcast.